West Virginia lost their fifth straight game on Saturday, losing to Arkansas 77-68. On today's episode, we talk about takeaways from Arkansas, Sean McNeil's recent struggles, as well as looking at whether or not this team can turn things around, while also taking a quick look at WVU's tournament chances. This is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. What's going on, everyone? Wesley Shoemaker back with Aaron Parker on the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. West Virginia drops a tough one today, 77-68. Mountaineers trailed by as many as 19 in the second half. Cut it to five points, but in the end, the Mountaineers could not get it done. Sean McNeil struggled again, scoring seven points for the Mountaineers, while Kedrian Johnson scored 18, Taz Sherman scored 15. But it was the West Virginia defense that could not stop Arkansas on the inside, leading to a Arkansas victory and West Virginia losing their fifth straight game. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm good. It's uh, another tough day to be a Mountaineer. Yep, yep, yep. Um, tough one today. Uh, seemed like in the first half, West Virginia kind of weathered an early Arkansas storm. They trailed uh, 16-5 early, forcing in a West Virginia timeout. But so they, they seemed to kind of get back into it, trailed by nine and a half. But then that first four minutes of the second half was really just killer. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas got out to an early lead. I don't believe they ever even lost the lead. Early on, it just immediate. It just felt like the game immediately started with with Arkansas up nine, ten points, and they just it was hard for for WB to climb back in it. They dug themselves into an early hole. Arkansas got to the line throughout the game as they shot like they shot thirty four three free throws. That's going to win you a lot of ball games. They made twenty eight of them. So it was just about playing catch up for Mountaineers. They had one little spurt in the second half where it looked like it looked like there was a lot of life, but it was just not enough. Yeah, Arkansas Arkansas had four starters that scored double digits. All of them scored at least 12 points. I think that's a really good recipe for success. I mean, if you look at West Virginia, their four starters, Keedy had 18, uh, JB had six, Taz had 15, Cottrell no points he uh he didn't get a lot of playing time 13 minutes was in foul trouble we'll get to that a little later oh four from the field and then mcneil with seven i think the biggest thing is west virginia's bigs got in foul trouble again um last week against texas tech it was the same story and this week you had polycap cottrell um I'm blanking. Polycap, Cottrell, Kerrigan, and Gabe. Gabe gave you seven points. Cottrell gave you none. Polycap gave you a free throw. And Kerrigan gave you a free throw. Um, and if you look at the rebounding counts, they combined for, let's see, Cottrell had two. Polycap had none. Gabe had three. Kerrigan had three. That's like six or seven rebounds. That's just not good on the interior and then if you go look at Arkansas, they just killed West Virginia. If you look at Jalen Williams, Williams finished, what do you have? He had uh, 15 rebounds and 12 points. When when Arkansas has that kind of kind of just, I don't know, swagger, that 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 skill on the inside, um, it's gonna it's gonna be hard for West Virginia to win some games. Yeah, Arkansas came to play. They had four out of their five starters score double digits. Um, they had two shooters uh, that went six for eight in uh, Note and, and Tony. Like you said, Jalen Williams was a handful. Uh, scored 12, got 15 uh, boards. Uh, only shot the ball three of 13, but, like, he didn't need to shoot the ball efficiently. He got 15 boards, 
two steals, two blocks, and obviously WV's big man. You can put all of them out there, and they're gonna they're not gonna stop him. Um, Cottrell got in early foul trouble. I want to say he played 13 minutes and was like minus 15. That's unbelievable. Um, Polycap gave you a free throw. There's just Williams was too much inside, and then their guard play was just was just all around better. Yeah, another thing for West Virginia is. They're going to have to get McNeil going. McNeil struggled again, seven points, three for 11 from the field, one of six from three. This team was supposed to be built on the backs of Sean McNeil and Taz Sherman. And over the past couple of weeks during this five-game skid, it's either been all McNeil and no Sherman, or it's been no Sherman, no McNeil, or it's been a little a bit of both. And tonight, Taz... He, he's had 15, but he just wasn't that efficient. Four of 11 from the field, and McNeil was three of 11 from the field. That's seven for 22 between your two best players, and that's hard to win games. I know that's it seems like we keep repeating ourselves, saying it's hard to win games, it's hard to win games, it's hard to win games. Yes, the Big 12's good, but you, ha- you have a recipe for success, which is defense and getting your two best players going. And it seems like in the last week, last week and a half against – Baylor, then and then against Texas Tech, and then now against Oklahoma on Tuesday, and then today against Arkansas. Teams have started to figure out that if you can stop McNeil and and Taz, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to lose. Yeah, basically, it's impossible to lose if you're if you're shutting down those guys. I know Taz Taz gave you 15 today, but you know four of 11 from the field. Uh, he didn't get his first field goal till it seemed like halfway through the first half. It was a good three, but. You know, he wasn't shut down, but he wasn't a difference maker. And and McNeil has just continued to struggle. Uh, I'm not really sure what his deal is. Three of 11. There was one time he rose up for, for a jump shot. It looked like it was his shot. He just passed the ball, and Hugs took him out and was like, shoot the ball. Yeah. So not not sure. It, it seems to be mental at this point, but mental and and physical. But, yeah, if you're, if you're playing the Mountaineers, if you're stopping those guys, yeah, you're, you're going to win every time yeah another thing i want to go to is finding other other guys to go to on offense jb had six um malik had 11 which wasn't bad but huggins has talked about trying to get jamel king seth wilson some of these new freshmen in the game today um wilson had six minutes of play king had three minutes of play obviously not not high level quality minutes but you did see them play. And I think that is a sign going forward that Huggins w- believes in these guys. And he keeps saying they're going to, they can make shots. I'm going to put them in the game because they can make shots. And I think that's a good sign for West Virginia. If they can start getting some run and possibly play more minutes down the stretch here. Yeah. Hugs, Hugs told us that, that Wilson and King had a, a good week in practice and uh, he wanted to get those guys in more against Oklahoma and didn't really do so. Saw Wilson make a nice jump shot. It was all net, so that yeah, was good. Yeah, steal, 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 and then a little uh, pop pop shot in transition was pretty nice. Yep, yep, it was a nice-looking shot. He had a couple bad ones. I think the last one got forced. Um, so, yeah, I definitely, um, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see what those guys can do. I wonder if when Hugs was mentioning talking about, like, project guys and, and not getting not getting basketball-skilled players, I wonder who he's talking about there. Um, because Jamel King seems very raw along with a conclu. So seeing those guys play more, um, even in Big 12 play, um, it's just going to show you what they got and it's going to give them experience. Yeah, another thing back to hugs and playing time. The one 
constant theme, I would say, since the beginning of Big 12 play has been Huggins is um, – he's been talking about effort and he's been talking about who's going to give me what. And he's also then said the guys who are going to play hard and do what I need them to do are going to get more playing time. And if you look at minute shares, I think you can start to kind of figure out who he's talking about. Polycap played five minutes. Cottrell played 13 minutes. But then you look on the flip side, Kerrigan played 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. Osaboyan played 13. He was in foul trouble. I think everyone knows he's going to give his all, and he's not in Hugs' doghouse. But if you're looking at those guys, that's Polycap and Cottrell who have been, for some of the season where your most reliable big man was Poly Polycap inside, and now he gets five minutes on the road in a game that you had to have. I'm not sure if Huggins is that he's obviously not going to ever say, Oh, it's Polly or Oh, it's Isaiah or Oh, it's who knows Jalen Bridges just pulling names out at this point. But I think there is a point to say that, okay, look, minute share is going to start to change. And if you look at the minute share, I think it's gives some level of indication, although they were all in foul trouble. So we had to manage them a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder, uh, you know, podcast being a fifth year guy, been at two other schools, Manhattan and DePaul, and just, you know, if he comes in here, he was at one time in the in the non-conference play, he was one of uh, one of the more reliable big men for Hugs. But five minutes a game, yeah, it makes me wonder if he's if he's one of those guys that he's alluding to. Isaiah Cottrell is just, I don't know. Um, maybe he's, it's not an attitude. He's struggling right now, yeah, man. Maybe I don't I don't think with Cottrell it's it's some kind of attitude or lackluster. Um, I just think he's I just he's think just, he's just hasn't had the experience. Yeah, that he's just playing. Uh, he's just not giving you anything. Um, every rebound is is going to the other team. Again, thirteen minutes minus fifteen. He's not giving you anything offensively any night. So maybe it's just a a, a numbers game at this point when it comes out talking about Cottrell. Because I, you know, I I wouldn't think that it's an attitude problem. I think it's just maybe they're starting to look at the numbers and it's like, you know, maybe we got to do better than this. Yeah. And obviously, I'm not Bob Huggins. I'm not a 900-win head coach. But it's it's come pretty evident that Cottrell, he's talented, but I don't think he's ready to be a starting five in a conference that is as deep and is as skilled and big and strong at that position. And when you go and you need a rebound, he's – getting some of those rebounds but you need a guy that can go give you and give you a shot at every rebound and at this point in time I could be wrong I'm not sure if he's that guy but I'm also not sure if there's any other guy who is more capable than Isaiah Cottrell that's the unfortunate part about it because watching these games I am pretty sold that he is not the guy but I know for a fact that there's nobody else like Polycap's gonna be gone next year uh, probably. Uh, Kerrigan's probably going to be gone next year. You know, there's, it's just, it's, there's no, what, there's no What Derek other Huggins. options does Huggins have? Yeah, That's there's, the there's not question. much. Exactly. There's not much. And, and he's going to have to dip into the portal big time this coming, this coming year. Um, I think Kerrigan's minutes today showed that, that he's on Huggs' upside. 
Huggins also Huggins also did talk about DC a little bit after the game when they switched to that one three one there and that little run of theirs they seemed to be kind of be moving around he did say he did like Kerrigan's effort and he did think that he was playing well in the back end of that one three one yeah I noticed that too Kerrigan's efforts high obviously he's not unfortunately if he if he gets like an offensive board and just he's putting it back right there he's not going to make it that's the unfortunate part but his effort is good. Um, you know, obviously he can challenge shots. He went up and two-hand blocked a, a ball today. So, yeah, you know, I like what I saw from him. Um, it's just, you know, there's flaws in all of the interior players' games, every single one of them. Yeah, I, I do agree that there's flaws. And I think that if there was a solution, Huggins would know it. Um, and at this point, it's January 29th. This team is near the bottom of the big 12 and they were fighting for their tournament lives at this point. And you're just going to have to throw something on the wall until it sticks. And I think he's trying that with control. I think Huggins deep down believes in Isaiah control. And I think West Virginia fans believe in Isaiah control because they've seen what he can do. They've seen the shots he can make. They've seen him be able to bang around on the block, but I just don't think it's working at this very point. And I wonder if that calls into question, if there should be some lineup changes. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously um, he's talented, but coming off an Achilles injury, it's just, it's throwing him in the starting lineup as soon as the season started. I raised an eyebrow, um, but yeah, uh, we've seen a little bit of what he can do, but he's not, he's, he hasn't shown much of anything over big 12 play. Um, I don't know. I don't know hugs to be somebody who just goes and changes lineups all the time. Obviously he likes, he likes to sticking to his guns. He likes to kind of just yeah. play yeah. it out. Yeah. We were, yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, even when like Jordan McCabe and Emmett Matthews were struggling, those guys stayed in, in the starting lineup until maybe until like Emmett got COVID hugs doesn't like to just automatically change up the lineup, but it begs the question because right now, the whole month of January, you've got nothing from number 13. Yeah, and that's going to be the biggest question mark, I think, going forward. And looking forward, on Monday, this team's got to go play another top five team, and they've got to go play Baylor on the road. They've lost five straight. They had a shot against Baylor a couple weeks ago in the Coliseum. And Huggins at his post-game press conference today wasn't shying away. He wasn't shying away from Baylor. Um, he knows just like the rest of the country knows Baylor's good, but he also knows where his team is. He said Baylor's an opportunity for West Virginia, and he hopes that this team is as hungry and is as is as mad and frustrated with the way those last 10 minutes went a couple weeks ago in Morgantown. And I think that opportunity is looms large on Monday night. Yep, uh, Baylor's a great team, and it's tough to win in Waco. Um, yeah, if you're if you're Mountaineer player or or a coach, they've been you can tell they've been frustrated. Um, you know, haven't picked up a win in a long time. It's been five straight. It's a great opportunity. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's it's a uh, you know. Unfortunately, just it doesn't get any easier. The Big Twelve does not get any easier. And like um, like the commentator said, like this was WV's quote unquote break from uh, Big Twelve play, but you have to go down and play in Fayetteville and try to play Arkansas. That's not much of a break, and it's not going to get much easier as the Bears are a top five team, defending champs, and 
And they've had a couple losses, but I think they've got two or three straight. And, you know, it's not going to be easy to even compete there. But I want to try to go in there and try to still win. Yeah, the Mountaineers now 13 and seven, two and five in conference play. Their schedule the last two and a half weeks has been nothing short of just brutal. Um, obviously at Kansas, home against Baylor three days, four days later, and then on the road against Texas Tech four days later, then back home five days later against Oklahoma, then on the road to a team in Arkansas that, if we're being honest, they were in the top 15 most of this year early on, and now they're, they're hot. They've won six straight now after tonight. And then Baylor on Monday again, and then Texas Tech on Saturday again. There is no break in this schedule. And this team knows that they are now sitting at 13 and seven. I think personally, if they can get to 19 wins, turn the tournament seems likely, but they're going to have to beat one of these teams down the stretch. And going forward, I know um, it doesn't get any easier, but Bob Huggins is confident. He did say that he does in his full heart of hearts, believe this team will turn it around. But if you look at the schedule, Aaron, when's this turnaround going to start? Because Baylor on Monday, okay, if you win that, obviously that's a big time W, but that's also a big ask to go get a win on Baylor. What do you think of uh, their their possible possibility of turning it around here in the next week or so? As as I keep looking forward at the schedule, it's just it's like, oh my gosh, Baylor on the road. You know, it's like you want to get back to the Coliseum, but then Texas Tech is really good. We've already seen them play. And then I you got to play I, Iowa I, State, I, who's top yeah, 15. Yeah, Iowa State, he's playing really good basketball. I just – I don't know. Um, I, I like Hudson's confidence that he's going to get turned around. Um, I don't know. You, you said you getting to that 19-win mark, you'd be confident in getting to the tournament. They're at 13-8 and eight right now. I don't know. It's given me vibes of an NIT type of uh, maybe Aaron Harris type team. It's just such a hard schedule, and it's such a bad time to be getting cold. Um, I'm, not, I'm not stamping that in, but it's just – I don't know. It's, it's going to be really, really tough to turn around yeah, starting ele- in February. 11 games left, and let's count one, two, three – four five five at home so theoretically you sweep your home slate going out of here that puts you at 18 then you steal one maybe against tcu on the road steal kansas state on the road steal oklahoma state on the road if you if west virginia wins i say four out of their last five at home and that would mean they beat texas kansas texas tech iowa state and who else am I? I'm blanking. TCU. Thank you. I'm blanking on TCU. Um, if they were to win four of those five games, those are four resume building wins. Um, and I think that would give West Virginia this team a confidence. And then if they go into the Big 12 tournament and steal a game, steal win one, win two, that also changes things as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's there's it's it's a tough ass to even go four or five when you're home four going forward. This is the Big 12 is always competitive, but it just seems like everybody is so much – it's just so good. There's no bottom feeders. It seems like every year there's either Iowa State, maybe TCU, K-State. There'll be one, two, or three maybe teams that are bottom feeders that will compete every now and then. Everybody is really good. TCU, there's, there's at least TCU, eight yeah. locks for the NCAA tournament right yeah. now in the Big 12. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just I can't get over how neither Kansas State or TCU or even like Iowa State turned TCU around. TCU beat number like, nineteen LSU today. Like, yeah, I just I can't I can't bank on four out of five on your home four when when TCU keeps winning and uh, while K State they they lose but like they're I don't know they're always right there. Well, we've got we've go ahead go ahead. It's just it's a tough ask. If the Mountaineers can get to that 17-ish, I don't know, win mark, win a few, win three or four at home, then it's, I'd say it'll depend on Big 12 tournament uh, play. Yeah, and if you want to talk about a gauntlet that this was, think about this. West Virginia is going to travel to Manhattan, Kansas on February 14th. That's a Monday. So that's that's their last game until next until that next Saturday, the 19th of February, where they are home against Kansas. But then think about this. They have to travel from more an eight an 8 p.m. tip. So basically Sunday, Sunday in the early hours of the morning or Sunday afternoon, they travel to Fort Worth for a Monday night tip against TCU. Obviously, that game got made up because in the first week TCU was dealing with COVID issues. Then West Virginia has to travel to Iowa to face Iowa State on that next Wednesday night. And then they come back to West Virginia to play Texas three days later. So you're playing four games in seven days in three different states. That is not an easy task when you're trying to search for wins and see what's winnable on your schedule. Uh, Yeah, that's incredibly brutal, four and seven days in three states. And that type of turnaround when you're in Morgantown on, what did you say, Saturday against Kansas? Yep. And then you're getting on a flight to to Fort Worth. That's a type of game, and you come out and play on Monday after just playing. That's a type of game. That's like a a trap game that even if TCU is bad, WVU still loses that game a good bit of times. And now TCU is on paper maybe better than WVU. So that's a tough ask. And then to go down and you got to play, you got to play Texas, you got to play at Oklahoma State. That's just incredibly brutal. And unfortunately, WVU has to pick up like three of those games. And that's such a tough ask. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if they could have gotten, maybe gotten a win at Texas Tech, maybe beaten Baylor. Enough schedule talk for now. Um, we're, we keep talking about guys needing to step up. Obviously, we talked about the, uh, the, the, for the front court for the Mountaineers. But I do think the backcourt needs to step up. Those two seniors in McNeil and Sherman, they've been your go-to guys for the last three months. And I'm not sure what might be lingering um, injury-wise, COVID-wise with Taz. But Sean, man, he's been struggling. Um, He keeps getting looks. He keeps passing some looks up. And I think it's a confidence thing. I think he knows he's not finding the net, the – not getting things to fall as much as he was at one point in time. And I think that is taking a hit on his confidence. What do you think? I, I definitely think so. He's been, he's been very bad lately. Um, I can tell some of it's gotten, gotten to his head a little bit. Um, yeah, he's a shooter. He's been playing college basketball for three or four years now. He can get past it. Um, yeah, yeah, Sean. So but, Sean's last three games, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Arkansas, he scored seven points in all three of those games. Against Baylor, he had yeah. 17, took him 13 shots to do it. So Baylor, he he actually shot pretty well, seven to 13, three of five against Baylor. But if you go back to Kansas, four of 11 from the field, Oklahoma State, five of 11 from the field. So in his last like six games where West Virginia's lost five, McNeil's really struggled. And I think that's one of the reasons why this team's dropping. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he's not. He's not getting looks. He's not getting open. 
when he's getting a little bit of room, he's not really shooting it like we've seen him shoot. Like even today, like I said, he pulled up for a shot and then threw a turnover and then and then hugs hugs sat him down for a little bit. It's um it's it's confidence based at this point and he needs to see a couple go down early. I don't know, I said that a couple of times ago, but he just it's been like four straight games and just hasn't been able to do that. He needs to get going early if he wants to get his hot hand back. Um, speaking more on the backcourt, Kedron Johnson had 18 today. That's obviously not normal, but I think if you want to alleviate some pressure off a struggling Sean and Taz who's lingering with COVID and injuries, I think it's just every now and then Kedron needs to step up and hit a shot because watching that Oklahoma game, it's like they're not even worried about him shooting. They're just blocking up Sean and Taz. So I think Keating needs to be a guy that, you know, step in and make make one or two threes a game and extend the defense a little bit. Yeah. To 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 the to your Katie point, we know how capable of a scorer is he is, excuse me. Um, since he got here, all his teammates and all his the coaches have talked about is Kedrian Johnson dropped dropped 25. Kedrian Johnson Johnson dropped 30, but he did this in Juco before coming here. Now that he's at a big level, last year on the road against Oklahoma State, he hit some big time shots to help West Virginia come back and win that game. And tonight you saw it. He went four or five from three. That's ultra efficient. Like if you can get that go, if you can get KG, Kedi and Malik to give you a combined, I want to say 20 to 25 points per game. And you get Sean and Taz to give you at least 25 for them to combine. You're sitting now around the 50 point mark. One goes over and then you get, I don't know, maybe another eight somewhere from your team. You're going to be around hovering around at least the 60 to 65 point mark. And I think that is a, a recipe for success, but Keedy has to take more shots. Keedy, if yeah. he can, if if defenses know Keedy can dribble the ball down the floor and be a threat to shoot, it's going to be harder for them to stick to Taz, face guard Taz, face guard Sean, because then, oh, we leave Keedy open after we double one of them and he's, he can hit a shot. Yeah, this just starts with he needs to be taking more shots. Um, obviously, like Taz and Sean, I'd rather have, you would rather have those guys rise up and shoot the ball, but Kitty, Kitty was one of the leading scorers in Juco before he came to WV. If not, I think he might have been the number one Juco scorer. Like, he can do it. It needs to start with consistently taking more shots um, because he showed us what he can do tonight. Obviously, I'm sure it's not going to be every game he's going four or five from beyond the arc. Yeah. But I don't think WV needs four or five. Like, But I also don't think – I also don't think West Virginia needs him – to just be a facilitator. I don't think his yeah. role should be him guarding their best guard and then facilitating offense. I think it should be him contributing on defense, not treating defense as a number, number one priority, but treating defense and then how he can help the offense and treat that as kind of a priority together. Yeah, he's got to make himself more of a threat. Um, you know, starts with limited turnovers, bringing up the ball better, running offense just a little bit better because he's a point guard. So I'm sure some of the offensive, um, you know, just standing around stagnant, maybe some of that falls on him, but obviously he played better today. Maybe just if he can get a couple threes up, maybe make one, two of them, um, just pick some more shots and facilitate. And some of those guys will be open. Sean will be open every now and then. Taz will be open. Jalen Bridges will be open every now and then. 
and mm-hmm. maybe the Mountaineers can get Jalen Bridges going because it seems like he's not making making some of the threes that he was making last year. But obviously, the Mountaineers had Deuce McBride bring the ball up last year. So if Keedy can can take that next step, guys like that will get open. Yeah, when when Keedy's sorry, when Keedy, excuse me, let me go to Jalen. When Jalen's been his best, it's when he doesn't have to create. When guys can create, drive, and then kick to Jalen, that's when Jalen has been the most capable for West Virginia. And that's when Jalen has kind of found his, the most um, three-point success. And I think that's going to be a key for West Virginia going forward. Another guy I want to talk about real quick is Malik Curry. I think the last few games we've hit on Malik's minute share compared to Keedy's minute share. Uh, today, Keedy had played 24 minutes. Malik played for 17. Malik finished with uh, 11 points going 5-9 and nine from the field. I wouldn't say Malik played bad at all. I just think it was more of a uh, defensive uh, defensive reason that Keedy got more minutes there. But I do think out of all of the transfers that have come in this year between Policap, Kerrigan, and Curry, I do think Curry has elevated his game the most compared to all three of those. Yeah, I think that's obvious. I think he's obviously the, the biggest contributor out of the, the grad transfers. Um, I think the main reason is he's been really consistent as of late. There's been one game I think he was bad, but like seems like every time we're talking about him, he's getting 11, uh, scoring 11. Five of nine, uh, he's making free throws. I know he missed a couple today, but he's he's the most one of the most consistent free throws. Yeah, when, you, when you go like 22 or 23 or 22 or 24 from the line recently, yeah. you're going to miss a couple, and that's okay. Like yeah, you can't, well, no one's going to be perfect. And he gets he attacks, he gets to the hole. He's a lefty. He gets that lefty, that little runner, running scoop shot up. He can do it with the right. Um, he can hit the mid-range. Unfortunately, the, the you know, the hole in his game is, is the three-point shot, but WV doesn't need him taking a bunch of three-point shots. Yeah, they need him doing what he does. That kind of upset me. I'm not sure when exactly in the game it was, but there was a point where Malik came down and took a three. And I think it was kind of they were running in transition or they seemed to have they seemed to be moving and Malik kind of took a three and it. That's not his game and they don't need him doing that. And when he does that, the the percentages like if you if you if you want to win games, you're going to play percentages and the percentages of Malik making a three. And when you have other scoring options on the floor, I just don't think are high. Uh, one other thing I want to get to um, going forward. Um, I think the biggest thing that this team needs to change is their defense. Last couple games, they've allowed two teams to shoot over 45% from the field, and Arkansas isn't that good of an offensive team. And today, Arkansas went 45.1% from the field, 3 of 14 from 3. Obviously, Arkansas is not built on their three-point shooting, but they're built on free throws, and they're built on defense. West Virginia only turned the ball over nine times, but in two straight games, West Virginia has allowed teams to shoot well from the field, and they've also turned them over a bunch, but they still have not been able to found, find wins. What's your thoughts, Aaron, on West Virginia turning the ball, turning teams over on defense, but still having teams be able to shoot high percentages? Yeah, teams are getting open looks on them. Um, I like what I saw in that, that what was it, 10-12-0 run for, for WVU to get them back into it. Um, around the mid, midway point of the second half. Yep. I don't know if it, if Hugs changed something up. I, I wasn't watching he all kinda, that. He kind of went to his zone, I, I think. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. They went to the 1-3-1. But they also they, – they just started – they just started – they moved a lot more on defense. When they trapped, they they rotated. 
And when they rotated, they were able to rebound, and then they were able to get out and move and transition, which I think this team is best at. This team is going to win games by speeding things up on defense and then speeding things up on offense. This team is not built to run half-court offense because they don't have anyone on the inside. And on defense, this team really isn't built that much for half-court defense and getting set either because they have no one on the inside that can rebound. So the way you do that is you turn teams over and then you get running offense. Yeah, and I liked what I saw during that run. There's a few times when WVU got Arkansas to take shots late in the shot clock. Um, even a couple of them were open, but they're from, I feel, feel like, Williams or one of the big men. This is late in the shot clock, and I just feel like I haven't seen much of that this season. And when you get a team to shoot late in the shot clock, you get them trying to, to hit iron so there's no violation. You get guys trying to crash for the offensive board, and if it's a bad shot, if you secure that defensive rebound, you can get that transition look. Or, and or you draw a foul. That's like, yeah, yeah, draw a foul. Just get something to where it's not slowing down and setting up a half-court offense because we've seen that WV's half-court offense is really bad. So, yeah, force teams to get late in the shot clock and, and secure the board, and that puts WV in a better position than what they've been at all year defensively. If I'm a West Virginia coach, too, I'm telling my guys, let's look. If a team shoots more shots, there's a better chance that they're going to go in. But if we can limit the number of shots an opposing team takes by forcing them to pass the ball and get one shot in the shot clock or get, get not get as many rebounds, then that's going to give your team a better chance to win just because they won't have as many looks at the basket. Yeah, that and you just you got you got to secure the defensive rebound. The defensive re- rebound is, is key. Um, you can't have – if you're WVU, you can't have – three, four shots on a possession, and even two shots on a possession. It's, it's just WV's allowing that too much. Saw a little bit less of that today. I feel like outside of Jalen Williams, but if you're WV, you got to get production from, from Kerrigan and Cottrell as far as just securing that defensive board, going up, high-pointing it, coming down with it with two hands, and start a transition look. That's the key is getting that defensive board. Yeah, so next on uh, my list of what we should talk about, one question that we've been getting from our from our listeners and from, from fans who follow us on social media is this, and that is, is all hope lost. I'll let you go first, Aaron. Do you think all hope is lost on this season, or do you think West Virginia still has a chance to turn things around? I don't hardly know. I definitely think they have a chance to turn around. Um, you, got, you got five home games. You got to clean up at the Coliseum if you're if you're a WV player, if you're a WV coach. You got to think we have to secure our home floor because they've already lost to Baylor, which you know Baylor's a great team. You can't can't call it a bad loss. The Baylor's and the Kansases of the world, and but 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 no no more losing to the Oklahomas of the world when you're at when you're in Morgantown. You got if you're WV, you got to secure home home court, and you got you got to get one on the road, steal one, steal two and get ready for Big 12 play. I don't think all hope is lost, but what I'm seeing right now is an NIT team if they don't turn around soon. Yeah, I don't think all hope is lost. I think fans and I think this team have seen enough talent, especially with McNeil and Sherman. Those guys can go and they both can give you 15, 17 plus a night. And if one of them gets hot and it can kind of bleed onto the other, I think that can kind of get this team going. And we've also seen kind of a chaotic defensive effort that has kind of sped teams up and has proved to be a formula. There's a formula there for the Mountaineers. It's just a matter of 
can they improve that formula and can they stick to that formula if they're going to want to turn this season around? Yeah. Yeah. They got it. They got to have an identity. Um, I feel like over the last five, six games, there hasn't been much of an identity, especially offensively, you know, early in the season, it was like, well, you're not getting much from your other guys, but you can count on Taz getting you 20. You can count on McNeil at least every second game going out there and, and making a lot of threes and giving you, you know, 15, 20. You haven't seen that much lately. You haven't, you definitely haven't seen anything from Sean lately. And Taz has been turning the ball over and just, you know, there's remnants from COVID. He didn't play as well. And there's not much of an identity. Kedrian scored 18 today. There was a, that, that shocked everybody. But yep. then the next game, Malik will score 22. And then the next game, Malik will score six eight. or eight. You know, yep. there's not much identity. Obviously, Jalen Bridge is a guy that's, you know, not ultra consistent either. One, one day he'll give you 12, 13. The next day he'll give you four. So WB's got to find that, that offensive identity right now because, you know, with some of the injuries and just the struggles from Sean and those guys, there's not much of an identity right now. Yeah, the one piece of good news I'm going to put out there is this, is that in your last two games, last three games really, Sean McNeil has struggled mightily, and West Virginia has been in a position down two possessions late in a couple of those games, down one possession late in a, in a couple of those games, and they've been in a position to win those games despite McNeil's struggles. And obviously, I think everyone believes, including Sean himself, that He's going to be able to figure out figure it out at some point, and when he does, I think this team has a chance to start winning some ball games. I agree. I think Sean's going to turn it around. Um, I've seen him struggle. Shooters do that, but it's the struggle's gone on a little bit too long. I think he's right on the cusp of, of breaking out of it. Once he does break out of it, look out. Um, yeah, look out, and and WV's got to secure those games that he's shooting. The lights out. There's been a couple games, definitely Oklahoma from last year, just absolutely shoots the lights out, and they couldn't get it. Baylor at home last year. Sean made like Sean scored probably 13, 15 points in like a five minute span in the second half. You got to get those games. So when Sean breaks out of the slump, WVU has to secure those wins. Do you have anything else, um, or do you want to get to game balls and wrap things up? Uh, we can move on to game balls. All right, so I'll go first tonight. Um, game ball, Arkansas, Jalen Williams. Uh, obviously, we talked about him earlier. He had 15 boards, 12 points, 3 of 13 from the field, but he was able to be the force they needed um, on the glass. For West Virginia, I'm going to give a game ball to Keedy. Keedy played really well. Um, only two turnovers. Five and nine from the field, four or five from three, showed us what he's capable of. Um, one thing I want to say uh, before I turn it over to you, Aaron, is Gabe. It was Gabe's homecoming. Didn't really hear much of it about it because let's see, he's been with West Virginia for three years now. Um, Arkansas, it's not like he really is really a big time player. It's not like it was an Oscar from West Virginia to Kentucky situation, certainly. Um, Gabe finished with seven, did foul out, 13 minutes of play. Gabe's going to give you a seven. I think Gabe's kind of solidified himself to give you a solid six, eight points per game, which is good for this team searching for offense. But I did think it was a little underwhelming in his homecoming. Not that I expected something like 25 plus, obviously, from Gabe. But game balls, who you got? Um, WVU, Keaton Johnson easily. Did not see that performance coming. Four, four or five beyond the arc, 18 on the day. 
definitely got to give it to him. Arkansas, I think their best player today was Jalen Williams, 12 and 15, uh, two steals, two blocks. I'll, I'll give I'll give another one to DC Tony. Uh, he's getting about 10 a game, and he gave gave Arkansas 19, seven boards, three assists, and he's shooting the ball six of eight. That's going to be a key contributor to a win about every single time. So I'll give it to those two for the Razorbacks. Yeah, and uh, one more thing before we go. I just want you to give me a prediction for uh, how you think Monday night's going to go. Obviously, West Virginia now is going to have to go to number four, Baylor. I'm not sure of the current uh, Baylor-Alabama score. Um, Actually, so let's let's see. Baylor is trailing Alabama by nine with just under six minutes left. Not sure how that game will end up. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it can still break anyway. Either way. West Virginia in Waco on Monday night at nine o'clock late tip for these guys on it's going to be an eight o'clock tip Texas time, I believe. So what are your thoughts? Do you think West Virginia goes in there, keeps things close, maybe gets a win, or do you think it's going to be another one of these blowouts? Um, I'd like to think that WVU is going to come out and play better, play a better first half, a cleaner first half. They're going to make it competitive today against Arkansas. Just They're like immediately down 10 points. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a little bit more back and forth. Bay was really good. They, you know, LJ Cryer went off, Matthew Meyer. They're going to have a Kinjo back. A Kinjo did not play in Morgantown. Yep. They're a very good team. And I just, I simply, I don't see WV winning. I, I think Baylor will get off to us probably an early second half lead. Um, unlike Kansas on the road, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to scrape WV by 25. But <laughs> I th- no, I don't think that'll happen. WV will compete. I think Jalen Bridges will will be the player of the game for WV. Uh, I'll still say they lose by nine or ten. Yeah, when you're when you've lost five straight, it's hard to go into the defending national champions' house and beat them, especially two days after you lost, and if it, what's looking like possibly two days after Baylor's lost. However, that could obviously change. I do think I'm going to give it to the Bears as well. I just think there's a point where there's talent, and there's a talent difference and I think that talent difference is seen when you play these top tier teams in your conference and I think Baylor is one of those top tier teams Baylor could easily go on and win another national championship this year and I think West Virginia is struggling quick turnaround flight from Arkansas to Waco it isn't easy um, and nothing is easy in this conference and I just don't think the Mountaineers will get it done but obviously I could be pleasantly surprised and they could shock the whole big 12 world. So I think that's it from myself and Aaron. If you made it this far, we really do appreciate you listening. Be sure to submit us any questions you might have on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're also going to be posting an email to kind of do a mailbag feature on one of our next episodes. So be sure to stick to our social media channels and look out for that. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. If you made it this far, we again, we thank you for listening. And this is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast.